G'day and welcome to Aussie Vision. I'm Dale. And g'day, I'm Mike. And welcome to our season finale episode of Eurovision 2020. One of the most unique years ever, if not the most unique year. The phantom year, the contest that never was. It's it's going to go down in history this year, isn't it? And look, we can't ignore it. Like. No. There it was, was cancelled. <laughs> exactly. There was a, a, a long shadow cast over the whole competition, ultimately, and that's going to set somewhat of a tone for the whole review of the season. At the same token, a lot happened before we got the cancellation, Dale. I know, and uh, there's positives and negatives, I think. Uh, some really good stuff came out that we'll talk about, but I think, do you think we had our head in the sand about this for a while, that it was going to be cancelled? I felt like we kept saying, don't worry, it's going to be fine, and then it was cancelled. Yeah, look, I mean, the situation seemed to really ramp up in the weeks in March. Mm. I mean, when you start, incredible things like travel bans out of Australia, things like that, we've never had that before. Mm. Incredible situation that really did develop very quickly, so maybe we were caught a little bit by surprise. Prize, Dale. I think we were more hopeful than exactly. <laughs> in reality. I think at one stage there when I go back and listen. Um, but yeah, look, as you said, so many other things happened and we were lucky we got a full national final season. So we will touch on that as well. But let's move on. We're going to go through different themes and topics of the seasons and we're going to start with where it ended the final weekend and it was Europe Shine a Light. Well, that was 40 of our artists performing Love Shine a Light, Dale. Not the, not the 41, was it? No, maybe Belgium heard their own song and fell asleep before recording. <laughs> um, but yeah, shame that Hooverphonic didn't want to. It was a bit of a talking point. They didn't want to participate in that. Yeah, like, you know, of course they didn't have to, but it just felt... Like, it looked really bad. It was just them, didn't it? If yeah. it was 30 of them, they wouldn't have been so bad. Particularly if they're coming back next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, what? I don't know it why just, you would think that was a good idea. But there's anyway. been petitions in Belgium and oh, everything God. to not have them next year. But look, it wasn't the only kind of criticism the show had. But hmm. I also think it had a lot of positives. So let's talk about some of the things that we actually liked about the show, Michael. What, what did you think was good about it? I mean, they, I think they were very fair in trying to uh, showcase all the artists, you know, talking to all 41 of them, allowing them to speak, even though, unfortunately, the tone was, oh, we're going to get through this. And, you know, it, you know, it maybe became a little bit somber hearing 41 people tell us how terrible the world is. Mm. Um, they all had a chance to speak and, and give their perspective from their particular nation. Mm. Yeah. And I think it was a difficult situation to get a show right. Yeah. Um, that had obviously been planned a long time in advance. You didn't... The, the situation changed so much. So if we were still having hundreds of thousands of deaths in country, in countries in Europe at that point, I mean, obviously it was still bad, but I felt like things were kind of in the more positive by the time the contest came, but could have been actually a lot worse. Like if you had, a, you know, so many people die, you don't want to have this big celebration, do you? Exactly. You know, sorry you're all dying, but here's Verka Saduchka. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah that, it's, 
it would be very difficult to find the right tone and I think they tried to give it a bit of balance mm. and perhaps maybe when the show was prepared a few weeks earlier it suited mm. yeah it suited the time the tone at the time maybe people particularly in Australia for example where the COVID situation we felt like we're coming out of it mm. we had a bit more optimism coming out yeah. around that time and true, that, true. that's a difficult thing to judge and look I, I did think the shine a light was a really moving moment and I think it was a good opportunity to see some songs performed in different ways like Diodato and Germany and Australia ourselves as well in different ways and I, I, I agree with you I think it was good to see um, uh, the the artists shown you could never show all 41 songs yeah, exactly. in full because that was going to be impossible and they did that in the week on YouTube as well that's true. What yes. about some of the maybe the downsides of it? It was somber. Yeah. <laughs> and people people tune in for Eurovision for it is a light entertainment program. Uh, at times it didn't feel very light, but I guess we're not in a particularly light situation for some parts of the world. So it, it just echoed that. Yeah, it, it, I just felt it was a, wasn't really a celebration of this year's songs, more a kind of celebration of Eurovision in general. Yeah, I hmm. think they were trying to get the... Coming, everyone coming together and that unity. And I think they did that. I think they were struggling with the light versus dark. And I just felt it went too grey and dark. Um, yes, you can't ignore. Yet, how many empty streets in, in um, Europe do we need to see? The <laughs> yep. lighting up of monuments across the world was amazing. Um, these moments were really unifying. And then there was others that was like, we're trying to escape hmm. what's happening. And I think you can bring to light what's happening with those wonderful things and the monuments and coming together without being... You don't have to hit us over the face with what's happening. We know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's where they just struggled. And also, maybe harking back to old contests, um, Netta's latest song, Unnecessary. Duncan doing another... I mean, yes, he would have done that, but maybe singing Arcade would be better. Mons again? Yeah. Like, Hallelujah I just, again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it just felt like that part was looking... They were trying to get this balance of looking back and looking current, and it felt like it was more balanced in the looking back stuff. Yeah, I agree. Rather than maybe a positive looking forward type of thing, we kind of tended to look back and navel gaze a little, perhaps. Yeah, a little, but, but I, I did, struggle. Yeah. I mean, here in Australia, I guess, we, we did have our own show, mm. Big Night In, uh, on the Saturday night, and I think that had a completely different tone. That had a massive celebration and etc. So, you know, maybe it was up to the national broadcasters themselves to bring what they felt was tailor-made to their market. Oh, totally. I think a lot of national broadcasters really went for the fun and the celebration. Most did, from what I could see, Germany and Sweden Sweden. and UK Mm -hmm. and definitely us. SBS did an amazing job of Big Night In. We had a countdown, which the EBU couldn't do, obviously do, so that was a really good factor. They showcased all the top 20 in full and a good portion of the snippets of the others. And I loved when they went to the artists and they had a saying in their own language about the COVID situation that could sometimes be funny and sometimes be somber. And yes. they got the balance really right. I've never thought about rabid sheep before, Dale, but <laughs> now thanks to Demir Kedzo, yeah. I am staying away from rabid and sheep. And the sausages of death, was that Denmark? Denmark yeah. uh, gave us the sausage of death. But there were wonderful touching moments. Diodato talking about his mother, I think. Mm. So it, it felt like a fun celebration and I think it was well-researched. And they had these really good things about, this is what Albania normally does, and this yeah. is what they're doing this year. It, it, it just gave really good context to the competition. It was a celebratory tone, which I thought was fantastic. And it was a really nice full stop for the season, a nice closure, I think, as fans to have. Absolutely. But there was a lot of other stuff going on during this period as well, Dale, and a lot of it 
generated by the fandom itself. Exactly. This vacuum of the contest missing enabled fans to really come together and do a lot of different contests and shows. And you know what? In those contests, Michael, about ranking the songs, there really was only one main winner. Yes, there's Iceland, Think About Things from Daddy Freire. And look, people pretty much chose this as their winner of 2020. Definitely. Um, I would say from the fandom. Yes. It would have gone in a massive favourite, similar to maybe a Francesco Gabbani of 2017, perhaps, Dale. How did he go? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, this, I think, would have gone in a red-hot favourite and seems to be the one that... Uh, the fans resonated with the fans. Was it a lay down was there for this to win? No, no. We we always know that when you get to the lives, things change. But this was definitely up in the consciousness and in the mainstream consciousness as well. Definitely, you could just even my own Facebook feed of just regular people once a year is loving it. But look, it won the SBS Big Night in. No surprise from Australians, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yep. It also won Euro Jury, which is a contest that's been going for about eight odd years, um, done by the Rivoir team. They had over 180 musicians and other people in the entertainment business uh, judging as a jury with a public vote. And you know what? It's probably the closest thing you do get to a jury, and they have had some really big hits about what they get right. Like even Isaiah doing very well with the jury was predicted by them, and they predicted the winner the last couple of times. So Iceland won that quite convincingly. Mm. Well, actually by one point, so I'm lying. (laughs) (laughs) But in the jury, they won. And Sweden and Malta were up there, but overall, Switzerland and Bulgaria did well with the public. All all what we would have said were pretty strong jury songs. Exactly. So, But on the Eurostream, another similar one by the guys at songfestival.be and a whole lot of other people, including us. Over 20 partners. Exactly. Thank you. Um, Iceland won that as well. So um, they beat Lithuania from Russia in that one. So Iceland was winning these competitions, but the OGAE fan poll, the fan song contest that happens every year, was won by Lithuania and not by Iceland. So it wasn't every contest, but I must say Iceland did dominate. There was tended to be the same group heading towards the top with all these kind of competitions. Mainly the top 10 was very similar. And you did have, as I said, like Iceland, Sweden, Malta, as you said before, the fan favourites were more like things like Russia and Bulgaria and Switzerland. So we had a we had a good mix there. Australia very much around the sixteenth to twentieth mark, but still making the final, which is good. Oh God, yeah. yeah, and also because of that national final performance is what they were voting on emergency. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, it wasn't just fan contest. There was a real nice celebration of Eurovision as in looking back in history and Eurovision again, which came out of Rob Holly, who's a Eurovision journalist in the UK, and the lovely Ellie Chalkley as well, who was helping in the organisation of this, was a wonderful, wonderful thing that was put together. Yeah, what great way to unite the fans, great way to look back at the competition and enjoy classic moments, moments that we were robbed of this year. So I think it really hit a chord. I think some people who couldn't face up to the 2020 thing was really good to go, let's go back and watch 2016 Mm -hmm. and 1998 and 2009, like watching old contests. And I think they did a great job. And Eurovision itself... 
the song contests, got involved, made streams available, premiered them for this event. It was fantastic. And it was also 5 a.m. in the morning. So it was a real Eurovision experience for us. <laughs> I think it shows that um, the, the fandom this year has been great at adapting to engagement mm. and adapting to this new environment of content, etc. Uh, so it was really great to see, and it's yeah, come from these guys, come from a lot of places. You know, oh, it's been totally. terrific. This, I don't think I've seen the fans and Eurovision itself be more connected. I think from from the organisational point of view. So I think that's a real positive that's come out of it. And also, hats off, they've raised over twelve thousand pounds to um, the Mermaids, Terence Higgins Trust, and a charity close to my heart, Stonewall, who I used to work for when I lived in the UK. Um, with LGBT equality. So well done all round. A fantastic event for fans. Fans are awesome. I'm just so proud of them all. Exactly. It was great to see everyone band together. Well, as we mentioned earlier, Iceland stood out as a big winner. We also had Lithuania in there. And I think that really summed up a bit of a theme that we saw coming through the song contest this year, Michael. And... Let's talk about that, and I think it was the year of the quirk. Here's a song as an example. Come to daddy. All you have to do is to be ready for some action now. All you have to do is to be ready for some action now. Well, it did seem like some of the big front-running pack were from the quirky bunch, didn't they? They um, perhaps this was a year of an upbeat banger of a winner or something like that. We've had a, you know, we had Duncan last year. We do tend to sawtooth these things. Mm. Um, I'm going to agree that the quirk was back, but I'm also going to say, and something I've heard before, it almost seems like delegations are kind of splitting. You can go for big tally vote song mm. or you can go for big jury song mm. because somehow it is very difficult to, to hit them in between. Mm. So, yes, let's go all out and try and do a spirit in the sky and win the tally vote, secure a good position, or we can go, here, let's go with a really great jury song, Malta, secure a good position. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yes, I totally agree. And I think that's become more evident as we've seen the point split as well. I mm-hmm. think when it's laid out there, go for it, get your big one. And I think Spirit in the Sky was a great example because I think so many people went for the jury in the last couple of years that this opened up this gap that we saw filled massively this year. Mm-hmm. Three super quirky songs with three lots of really interesting, fun choreography, and I'll get to that bit in a minute. <laughs> um, but we, we've hardly seen groups do well at Eurovision for a very long time. This fun, quirky nature thing, maybe toy as well, but for three of them to lead there? And you've got to say this dancing has to have some TikTok influence. Oh, for sure. For sure, the, media, the 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 influence of social media is always is, is such an important thing in the marketing of a song and the journey of a song into a contest. Mm. Harnessing those type of social media things are incredibly important. I'd also like to point out a couple of things like Azerbaijan. Oh yeah, going back to that really quirky, crazy two thousands kind of stuff. Mm. You know, unashamedly That's, that felt normal this <laughs> year. <laughs> and and even somebody like a Serbia, I would say yeah. that I would yeah. put that into the upbeat, yep. quirky kind of Eurovision banger type thing. They, they were starting to emerge again. Yeah. I think people started to see the value in the televote that they had seen the value in the jury lately. Yes. But you're right, it does make it hard to, to hit 
both of them at the same time. But if it wasn't the year of the Rona, it would have been the year of the quirk. And the quirky dancing and the, the TikTok dancers and stuff. Yeah, exactly. definitely. And it, but, you know, all three can't win, so it could have left an open market for something to surprise. <clears throat> Italy. <laughs> um, but anyway, that I think it was a really standout thing. Other than Corona, the quirkiness was a huge factor this year. Definitely. All right, well, let's move on and let's talk about our own country. This is Australia and we need to listen to Montaigne with Don't Break Me. Don't break me. So this was our sixth year at Eurovision, Michael. Where did you feel like this song stood in our journey at Eurovision? Oh, I think it's very much in keeping with what we do. Modern, uh, jury-friendly, <laughs> <laughs> but um, still very much brand Australia. You know, um, second year of our national final. Let's talk about Australia Decides. I thought it was a terrific national final this year. We saw... A bit more of an evolution for what we were doing in the diversity of type of songs that we had, the quality of the songs and the quality of just mm. the general production of the entire show. It, I thought it really took a big step from what was a very, very solid start. Um, I think we got the right winner out of it. And I think, and I definitely think Montaigne's song and her performance was a real step in that progression, very much so. I think it really um, melded together Australian pop music and Australian indie music together. It was a DNA-written song from a Triple J, which is an independent radio station here. Um, that just worked so well. And not only did Montaigne come and win, she also brought artists like Jaguar Jones and Dadiri with her. It was almost a trio. It was almost like, if you're all going to do it, we're going to do it. And there was this almost like this, you know... Um, three musketeers mentality about it you could even see that in the celebration and i think that's such an important step forward and it's such an event on the um map in australia now because fans we were talking to the aussie vision team today as a season finale and they all had their favorite moment pretty much 95 percent of them as australia decides mm -hmm. either the event the show um, different elements of it because it is such a great thing on the calendar and it's an opportunity to, i mean we're a very large country with a very sort of spread out population for an opportunity for everyone to come together in the one central point connect enjoy and really celebrate you know not to be taken for granted down here because it's it just doesn't happen very often you're right we're the size of continental europe so it, it's it's a wonderful wonderful thing to have and look it is a shame we won't have it next year michael isn't it very much so i do yeah. feel I, I felt like it was it was developing its identity and it was getting momentum so i'll be honest i was quite surprised that we won't be having it um and that we you know, uh, we'll be allowing Montaigne to return because I think there's positive and negatives that come out of that. Mm. Let's speaking of Montaigne, we saw the production or the draft presentation from what yes. she would be performing in Rotterdam. What were your thoughts on that? Oh, fantastic. I just think it showed everything um, that we do in Australia that people maybe in Europe and other fans focus on our national final performance when you're talking to a very different audience there. And if you didn't learn from the big dress last year from Kate, I don't know why you weren't learning <laughs> from the clown thing from Montaigne. Of course, you weren't going to go out with the same um, staging. And what she brought was this really modern dystopian 
oh, that hammer. I was just like, I couldn't wait for her to, to <laughs> bash it down. It was, and her movement was much more structured and uh, close in, so it would have allowed the vocals to work. Yeah. And you would have been hearing the wonderful song that it is and not focusing on a visual of the clown aesthetic. Yeah, I, th- I thought the presentation they were going to do in Rotterdam would have really worked, showed what Australia's good at, and that's modern Eurovision. Yes. In our songs and in yes. our presentation. Yes. It also struck a really right balance between Montaigne, the performer, and she is a strong, she has a strong identity, she has a strong point of view, and she wants to be portrayed as an artist in a certain way. Yes. Now, to marry that with what is a concept that's going to work for Eurovision, I thought they managed to find that balance really, really well. Yeah, and it's tough yeah. to do so, because, you know, you want the authenticity of an artist, and that has come through in Eurovision. You can people can feel that authenticity exactly. through the screen. So if you go too far away, you lose it. But if you maybe keep too much to your own identity in a competition, it doesn't work either because you need to kind of merge a little. And they, I agree with you. They they got that really right. I think Montaigne's a great artist to have, and I'm really excited by her. And I think she's a type of artist that Australia will get their first ever win with. I think it will be someone a bit quirky and representing indie music. I do think that's where we're going to finally get our big win. Um, will it be next year? Who knows? I, I am disappointed not to have Australia Decides. It would be wonderful to have a show of some variety, a song for Montaigne. Australia Decides, song for Montaigne, early February. Keep that weekend on the map in Australia. Mm-hmm. Don't lose that. Even if it's a studio-based thing where she yes. has performs four songs and Australia yeah. votes for it, at least that ownership of choosing the song still comes with it. Yes. Even if we're just choosing from the one artist. Oh, 100%. We're not going to the kick again. There's no mm-hmm. way we can do that because it's not going to work. But a studio would work. Even a reveal of a song would work. Do something along those lines. Fans in Australia need it. It is on our calendar now. All right. Yeah, I totally right. <laughs> agree. Can I can I actually bring up returning artists for 2021? Of course. Uh, I think it's an interesting one at this point. We do have 18 names that will be returning. Do you think mm. that's a good thing, Dale? Do you think it's a bad thing? What do you? Oh, jury's out, Michael. I must say, jury is out. I think I understand for some who particularly had some very strong artists. Like, let's get them in again. Let's keep it there. But I think a lot of them that were definitely chosen were from um, internal selections rather mm-hmm. than national finals. Yep. And I think they will still bring something. Um, but it almost feels like we're going to have one. We're almost going to have the legacy of this year overshadowing next year. So I, I really hope we have more artists new than old. I want it to still feel like a new... It's not a reset button. I yeah. think it's a half reset button. I, I'm in two minds about yeah. it. Because I think what works for Eurovision is bringing through new fresh things every year we see a whole different palette we see a different tone come for every competition and this is basically dragging out the competition over two years yeah. now i'm going to be somewhat controversial here <laughs> yeah. uh, brace yourself dale i'm going to use samantha tina as an example okay samantha tina this was her ninth attempt it finally all aligned. She had the song, she had the performance, she had everything, all right? She failed eight times. <laughs> She's coming back next year. She's going to have to hit it twice in a row. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she was right for the situation, the right song, the right time. That I, I don't think everyone, it's, it's not everyone's going to be up at the same level next year. You know what I mean? Like, I does know. that make sense? No, it makes sense. I, I, yeah. I always put it to an athletic situation, like, 
what happens if you were the best runner this year and actually get injured and you're really terrible, but you're just going to go because there's sympathy? Yeah. Because it is a competitive thing. And I, I see where you're coming from because mm-hmm. the stars need to align for you to go. Yeah. And you don't want to go as like, well, I'm just going to have to come. It's And it also puts a lot of pressure on the artist. Yeah. And Montaigne has spoken about that. And I, I can understand how that feels. You're expected to say, oh, I'm in isolation. I'm going to come out with the world's greatest song. No, you're in isolation. You're bored and as confused as we all are. And as an artist, for your own creative part of it, yes, I can commit to six months of a journey, mm. create the song, create my performance, showcase that. All of a sudden now it's an 18-month journey. That's a lot. People can get stale on that as well. And then from a creative side, that can become stale as well. So I, I, think, it, I think it's coming from a right place and, and delegations going, yes, you've earned the chance. We will give you that chance. Whether it all cooks up right yeah. and the dough doesn't fall flat by the end of next, yeah. you know, this time next year could be another case. Because it's different. Sometimes the ones that are selected national finals, I think it is aligning. The other ones maybe internal is like, I want that artist. Yeah. Let's find the song for that artist. Fair enough. And so I think that's where, like, I think it works a bit better for Montaigne because I think we would select an artist like Montaigne generally rather than, oh, it just happened to align. Uh, for her, you know, with mm-hmm. the right song. No, I agree. Now uh, all the Samantha Tina stands will be... <laughs> no, I mean, I think she's wonderful. You know how much I love her. Um, but I, I see your point. I yeah. definitely see your point. And we've got to keep, we've got to keep things fresh. Um, totally. That's and, what Eurovision's about. Yeah. New music, new entries, new artists. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, I, there's something that's not fitting right for me. And my last thing on this I want to say before we move on is... Yes, it was unfortunate what happened, but unfortunate things happened to a lot of artists at Eurovision. Romania, 2016. Couldn't go because they couldn't afford it. He had a song. He was on the album. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't demand him to go back the next year. Yeah. Um, Maruv last year. like loads... She wasn't going anywhere near. Yeah, yeah. But like every... There's this, this Eurovision history is littered with artists who are meant to go and then they couldn't. And there wasn't the same thing of... It's a different situation. But you didn't, we didn't all demand for them to come back the next year. They were mm. just forgotten. Yeah, it's an interesting and unfortunately, one. that's it's an interesting it's one. It's life. It sucks. It's an interesting one. I, I just hope some delegations who have committed to it don't regret that later on. I would have maybe taken a deep breath, let the dust settle, a couple of months from now, start deciding. All right. Well, I mean, that comes <laughs> that's international. That's just me. That's but, just me. Well, yeah, look, that comes international finals, Michael. Yes. All right, Dale. I guess we should talk about one of the highlights of the season always in its national finals. Yeah. 
Well, it is the national finals that really bring the quirk, the fun, the colour, the bat-dropping crazy stuff. <laughs> oh, I'm going to start a little bit. I think it was an interesting national final season to start with. Number one, we had a lot of casualties go. Mm. A lot of the big nations, for example, didn't have national finals. France, Spain, UK and Germany all went internal this year. What were your thoughts? What, what did you think about that one? I mean, I think we lost a lot of dead wood. Um, but no, <laughs> I think, I mean, there was a couple of national finals there that weren't working. UK, um, Spain, the way they were choosing. Germany was over-engineered. France was wonderful, though, and I think that was a bit of a shame because they had the right ingredients. The cake hadn't quite come together. Um, I understood why the rest didn't, but they were big-name casualties. It'd be good to see them come back at mm. a later date. I, I just think it, it also feeds into what I see as a being risk-averse. And I think if we take the UK as an example, they went, oh, we're going to devoid ourselves of all basic you know, selection here. We'll leave it to a record company and therefore we can't be criticised if it doesn't go well. Oh, uh, do, look, do you, I, can't, I see it a little bit that no, way. No, no, I disagree. I think the UK had to do this because the UK were not attracting the talent for the national final. It was all the same songwriters and you kind of needed to tap someone on the shoulder who was really in the UK music industry, which they did and get that person because in Australia we won't get another really I'm talking like pop music name like at the level of Guy Sebastian of commercialness because Montaigne's obviously wonderful but like I'm talking commercial we won't get that person again until we do internal that yeah. person will not in a, in a market like Australia go into a competition so in the UK it's even 10 times worse yeah fair enough fair enough shall we talk about some of the national finals that went really well this yes. year we can't <laughs> go anywhere without talking about Lithuania it was the probably surprise national final of the year for its quality and its quirk and etc what were your thoughts on that well, you talk about stars aligning I just didn't I did not see this in a million years I mean we half would joke about Lithuania the length the bonkerness the pretty poor quality of songs generally hmm. um, but wow I mean the semi-finals were a bloodbath mm. because there were so many great songs I would have sent about five songs to Eurovision it was brilliant yeah the, I, I would almost say the national final of the year uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that exactly exactly look I want to talk about another one that I thought was really good only a small national final Finland mm. I thought brought some real interesting stuff this year and it was good to see them come back from a, 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 a some internal selections etc so i thought they they really shone this year oh really really strong quality overall nice to see umk in that same format it used to be in yeah i'd love to see it it was it was really strong as well yeah one i'm going to touch on quickly here because i think they tried something which ended in a complete mess but let's talk about norway <laughs> <laughs> I thought it started off, obviously, the 60th uh, year of Melody Grand Prix. They did try to do something different. It ended up being quite the schmozzle in the end, as far as, you know, voting and stuff goes. Did it work for Norway this year or didn't it? 
I'd have to say overall it didn't, but I like their ambition. Yeah. I like what they were trying to do. It just felt really long. <laughs> and Unnecessarily and long. And also because, let's say with Scandinavian music, you don't get a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. So I think in that way, you, I, I kind of felt like we were getting the same stuff over again while in some of the more kind of um, interesting eastern states where you have long national finals, you get a lot of really weird stuff and different music genres. Well, I felt like we were getting the same kind of like uh, sea shanty ballad, sea shanty buddy, <laughs> pop girl, yeah, um, kind of, yeah, yeah, maybe Tanner or someone classical. Oh yeah, singing. yeah, or Barry Manilow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then one other sort of act. It was like pops. one for the oldies, one, one for the, the youngins, yep. one for kind of Eurovision, and one for a bit of a you know uh, traditional fair. Yeah. And we saw that week after week, yeah, which was a little bit. I would have maybe chuckled the sea shanties in one, <laughs> chuckle the bops in another. <laughs> Can you imagine then, the, the preview? What's this week? Sea shanty week. And then it all you came know. down to this massive national final, which was wonderful. And then the voting, all that. Collapsed. <laughs> it was like a souffle that got out of the oven and just, <laughs> just collapsed. And I thought that was going to be the biggest controversy of the season. And yeah. then Eurovision got cancelled. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, oh God, it was, it was something. And the woman singing about, I'm gay and wasn't even gay. Oh, and Bless oh, them for trying, Norway. Bless God, them for trying. God, they turned into Lithuania in a way, didn't they? <laughs> One thing I'm going to touch on with what I <laughs> noticed in national finals this year, wide open races. Mm. A lot of them were really, really difficult to pick. I've got some written down here. Croatia, Slovenia, Moldova, Armenia, Belarus, and even Ukraine this year. Yeah. Multiple, really harder to pick than a broken nose kind of thing. Like really, really <laughs> difficult to find the winner there. And, um, and of course, we had the closest Melfest in years, one by one point. One point. So wide open races from national finals, I thought was a real kind of common thread. Yeah, that's, that's really Even true. Australia. Even yeah. Australia. We oh, had, yeah. We probably had four in the running there so yeah really interesting thread that it was a lot of close races which is more getting more competitive mm-hmm. to me and you're getting different styles and people are picking up on different things um so i think just overall it was as always a wonderful national final uh season that's where the gems are i reckon that's what that's that's where you go mining to find your, your, your if jewels. you're not doing it go and do it next year <laughs> um and that is something well look we're gonna have less national finals next this year. is another thing i'm angry about these artists <laughs> returning for 2021 you're robbing me of content people what am i going to talk about next year but it, it, it's going to be a different landscape mm. as far as national final season goes into 2021 that is going to be a hangover from COVID 19 it can't be ignored and look you some of these songs have these song contests have existed for so long. Mm. I mean, San Remo's not going anywhere. That was no. before Eurovision. But also um, Melody um, Grand Prix for Norway. Melody Festival Island for Sweden. Song for Kepnen for Iceland, which is controversial mm. as well. These have been around forever. And taking and saying, oh, no, we're just going to send this artist. What do you do with this contest? Mm. And what do you do? Big ratings winners for broadcasters. Exactly. Because that's what, it's, it's a TV show. Yeah. So you can't lose that. And that's why people go, oh, it's unfair. This person isn't going. But you've got to look at the domestic situation. Yes. And the circumstances surrounding it. So I'm gutted um, for artists, but I'm glad we're going to, trust me, all these people complaining now, next year when there's no national finals, they're like, oh, I wish this was happening. <laughs> when we have to talk one hour over the Latvian national final, oh, no, they're not even having one next no, year. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's an interesting one. It'll be one that, that really does affect the season next year from this year. Well, that is really a wrap on all our sort of big topics for this season. Without going into too much detail, we'll be here all day. Uh, but also another big thing for us was, 
the real expansion of our team it's always been pretty much you and me mike and we we really welcomed a whole bunch of people this year didn't we that's right we wanted to take a different course we wanted to diversify the opinion diversify the voices coming out of aussie vision and make it a bit more representative as australian fans and we've had a fantastic team to help us do that yeah so we wanted to say a big thank you to all of them who've been involved with this because they help with the website the social the podcast you would have heard them on the research that we do behind yeah, it so the rankings all the time they put in oh really it's, really great. it's amazing we couldn't do this without them so uh big thank you to aaron ali chris emma fleur guy jade jess laura ruby steve and we want to also say a special big thank you to uh kiriakos and Liv, yeah. who've been really instrumental in really pushing this and putting a lot of work in we four of us would have been in rotterdam in the press center yes the last week or so so that would have been a wonderful experience but we're looking forward to being able to do that next year with all of them and a particular big thanks to those two who have really pushed aussie vision along into a new era absolutely and it's only going to get bigger we're looking to expand it even further in 2021 yes please go and check out our socials uh, we are calling out for people to help us um, we do have a big year ahead as always and we always need more people um, who are from an Australian background we do like to have that Australian thing sorry internationals <laughs> you can't join us <laughs> but we also unless you're a video producer you can um, so thank you so much for that Michael thank you for a wonderful season yes no one forget it and unforgettable one exactly but, um yeah who knows who knows what 2021 is going to bring up for us all right and we're going to go out with the wonderful performance from diodato uh more that he did in where did he do it stadio dare verona uh it was just perfect and i think it really encapsulates up. the whole season doesn't it it really really does mm. and it was personally our favorite as well <laughs> we overall the team here on this one and uh, uh this is diodato fire fire more